Chapter Two of You Know Me, Al. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rick Rodstrom. You Know Me, Al, by Ring Lardner. Chapter Two: The Busher Comes Back. San Francisco, California, May Thirteen. Friend Al. I suppose you and the rest of the boys in Bedford will be surprised to learn that I am out here, because I remember telling you when I was sold to San Francisco by the White Sox that not under no circumstances would I report here. I was pretty mad when Comiskey gave me my release, because I didn't think I had been given a fair show by Callahan. I don't think so yet, Al, and I never will. But Bill Sullivan, the old White Sox catcher, talked to me and told me not to pull no boner by refusing to go where they sent me. He says, You're only hurting yourself. He says, You must remember that this was your first time up in the big show. Very few men, no matter how much stuff they got, can expect to make good right off the reel. He says, All you need is experience, and pitching out in the Coast League will be just the thing for you. So I went in and asked Comiskey for my transportation, and he says, That's right, boy. Go out there and work hard, and maybe I will want you back. I told him I hope so, but I don't hope nothing of the kind, Al. I'm going to see if I can't get Detroit to buy me, because I would rather live in Detroit than anywheres else. The little girl who got stuck on me this spring lives there. I guess I told you about her, Al. Her name is Violet, and she is some queen. And then, if I got with the Tigers, I would never have to pitch against Cobb and Crawford, though I believe I could show both of them up, if I was right. They ain't got much of a ball club here, and hardly any good pitchers outside of me. But I don't care. I will win some games if they give me any support, and I will get back in the big league and show them birds something. You know me, Al. Your pal, Jack. Los Angeles, California, May 20. Al. Well, Al, old pal, I don't suppose you can find much news of this league in the papers at home, so you may not know that I have been standing this league on their heads. I pitched against Oakland up home and shut them out with two hits. I made them look like suckers, Al. They hadn't never saw no speed like mine, and they was scared to death the minute I cut loose. I could have pitched the last six innings with my foot and trimmed them they was so scared. Well, we come down here for a series, and I worked the second game. They got four hits and one run, and I just give them the one run. Their shortstop Johnson was on the training trip with the White Sox, and of course I knowed him pretty well. So I eased up in the last inning and let him hit one. If I had have wanted to let myself out, he couldn't have hit me with the board. So I am going along good, and Howard, our manager, says he is going to use me regular. He's a pretty nice manager, and not a bit sarcastic like some of them big leaguers. I am fielding my position good, and watching the base runners too. Thank goodness, Al, they ain't no cobs in this league, and a man ain't scared of having his uniform stole off his back. But listen, Al, I don't want to be bought by Detroit no more. It is all off between Violet and I. She wasn't the sort of girl I suspected. She is just like them all, Al. No heart. 
I wrote her a letter from Chicago telling her I was sold to San Francisco and she wrote back a postcard saying something about not having no time to waste on bushers. What do you know about that, Al? Calling me a busher. I will show them. She wasn't no good, Al, and I figure I am well rid of her. Good riddance is rubbish, as they say. I will let you know how I get along and if I hear anything about being sold or drafted. Yours truly, Jack. San Francisco, California, July 20. Friend Al. You will forgive me for not writing to you oftener when you hear the news I got for you. Old pal, I am engaged to be married. Her name is Hazel Carney and she is some queen, Al. A great big strapping girl that must weigh 160 pounds. She is out to every game and she got stuck on me from watching me work. Then she writes a note to me and makes a date and I meet her down on Market Street one night. We go to a nickel show together and have some time. Since then we have been together pretty near every evening except when I was away on the road. Night before last she asked me if I was married and I tells her no and she says a big handsome man like I ought not to have no trouble finding a wife. I tells her I ain't never looked for one and she says well you wouldn't have to look very far. I asked her if she was married and she said no but she wouldn't mind it. She likes her beer pretty well and her and I had several and I guess I was feeling pretty good. Anyway I guessed I asked her if she wouldn't marry me and she says it was okay. I ain't a bit sorry Al because she is some doll and will make them all sit up back home. She wanted to get married right away but I said, no, wait till the season is over, and maybe I will have more dough. She asked me what I was getting, and I told her $200 a month. She says she didn't think I was getting enough, and I don't neither, but I will get the money when I get up in the big show again. Anyway, we are going to get married this fall, and then I will bring her home and show her to you. She wants to live in Shy or New York, but I guess she will like Bedford okay when she gets acquainted. I have made good here all right, Al. Up to a week ago Sunday, I had won 11 straight. I have lost a couple since then, but one day I wasn't feeling good, and the other time they kicked it away behind me. I had a run-in with Howard after Portland beat me. He says, Keep on running round with that skirt, and you won't never win another game. He says, Go to bed nights and keep in shape, or I will take your money. I told him to mind his own business, and then he walked away from me. I guess he was scared I was going to smash him. No manager ain't going to bluff me, Al. So I went to bed early last night and didn't keep my date with the kid. She was pretty sore about it, but business before pleasure, Al. Don't tell the boys nothing about me being engaged. I want to surprise them. Your pal, Jack. Sacramento, California, August 16. Friend Al. Well, Al, I got the surprise of my life last night. Howard called me up after I got to my room and tells me I am going back to the White Sox. Come to find out, when they sold me out here, they kept an option on me, and yesterday they exercised it. He told me I would have to report at once. So I packed up as quick as I could and then went down to say goodbye to the kid. She was all broke up and wanted to go along with me, but I told her I didn't have enough dough to get married. She said she would come anyway and we could get married and shy, but I told her she better wait. 
She cried all over my sleeve. She sure is gone on me, Al, and I couldn't help feeling sorry for her. But I promised to send for her in October, and then everything will be all okay. She asked me how much I was going to get in the big league, and I told her I would get a lot more money than out here, because I wouldn't play if I didn't. You know me, Al. I come over here to Sacramento with the club this morning, and I am leaving tonight for Shy. I will get there next Tuesday, and I guess Callahan will work me right away, because he must have seen his mistake in letting me go by now. I will show them, Al. I looked up the schedule, and I seen where we play in Detroit the 5th and 6th of September. I hope they will let me pitch there, Al. Violet goes to the games, and I will make her sorry she give me that kind of treatment. And I will make them Tigers sorry they kidded me last spring. I ain't afraid of Cobb or none of them now, Al. Your pal, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, August 27. Al. Well, old pal, I guess I busted in right. Did you notice what I done to them athletics, the best club in the country? I bet Violet wishes she hadn't called me no busher. I got here last Tuesday and set up in the stand and watched the game that afternoon. Washington was playing here, and Johnson pitched. I was anxious to watch him because I had heard so much about him. Honest, Al, he ain't as fast as me. He shut them out, but they never was much of a hitting club. I went to the clubhouse after the game and shook hands with the bunch. Kid Gleason, the assistant manager, seemed pretty glad to see me, and he says, Well, have you learned something? I says, Yes, I guess I have. He says, Did you see the game this afternoon? I says, I had, and he asked me what I thought of Johnson. I says, I don't think so much of him. He says, Well, I guess you ain't learned nothing then. He says, What was the matter with Johnson's work? I says, he ain't got nothing but a fastball. Then he says, Yes, and Rockefeller ain't got nothing but a hundred million bucks. Well, I asked Callahan if he was going to give me a chance to work, and he says he was. But I sat on the bench a couple of days, and he didn't ask me to do nothing. Finally, I asked him why not, and he says, I'm saving you to work against a good club, the Athletics. Well, the Athletics come, and I guess you know by this time what I done to them. And I had to work against Bender at that, but I ain't afraid of none of them now, Al. Baker didn't hit one hard all afternoon, and I didn't have no trouble with Collins, neither. I let them down with five blows, although the papers give them seven. Them reporters here don't know more about scoring than some old woman. They give Barry a hit on a fly ball that Bodie ought to have eat up, only he stumbled or something, and they handed Oldring a two-base hit on a ball that Weaver had to duck to get out of the way from. But I don't care nothing about reporters. I beat them athletics and beat them good, five to one. Gleason slapped me on the back after the game and says, Well, you learned something after all. Rub some arnicky on your head to keep the swelling down, and you may be a real pitcher yet. I says, I ain't got no swell head. He says, No, if I hated myself like you do, I would be a moving picture actor. Well, I asked Callahan would he let me pitch up in Detroit, and he says, Sure. He says, Do you want to get revenge on them? I says, Yes, I did. He says, Well, you certainly got some coming. 
He says, I never seen a man get horse treatment than the Tigers give you last spring. I says, well, they won't do it this time because I will know how to pitch to them. He says, how are you going to pitch to Cobb? I says, I am going to feed him my slow one. He says, well, Cobb ought to make a good meal off of that. Then we quit joking, and he says, You have improved a whole lot, and I am going to work you right along regular, and if you can stand the gaff, I may be able to use you in the city series. You know, Al, the White Sox plays a city series every fall with the Cubs, and the players makes quite a lot of money. The winner gets about $800 apiece, and the loser's about 500 We will be the winners if I have anything to say about it. I am tickled to death at the chance of working in Detroit and can't hardly wait till we get there. Watch my smoke, Al. Your pal, Jack. P.S. I am going over to Allen's flat to play cards a while tonight. Allen is the left-hander that was on the training trip with us. He ain't got a thing, Al, and I don't see how he gets by. He is married and his wife's sister is visiting them. She wants to meet me, but it won't do her much good. I seen her out to the game today, and she ain't much for looks. Detroit, Michigan, September 6. Friend Al. I got a whole lot to write, but I ain't got much time because we're going over to Cleveland on the boat at 10 p.m. I made them Tigers like it, Al, just like I said I would. And what do you think, Al? Violet called me up after the game and wanted to see me, but I will tell you about the game first. They got one hit off me, and Cobb made it a scratch single that he beat out. If he hadn't have been so damn fast, I would have had a no-hit game. At that, Weaver could have threw him out if he had started after the ball in time. Crawford didn't get nothing like a hit, and I whiffed him once. I give two walks, both of them to Bush, but he is such a little guy that you can't pitch to him. When I was warming up before the game, Callahan was standing beside me, and pretty soon Jennings comes over. Jennings says, You ain't gonna pitch that bird, are you? And Callahan said, Yes, he was. Then Jennings says, I wish you wouldn't, because my boys is all tired out and can't run the bases. Callahan says, They won't get no chance today. No, says Jennings. I suppose not. I suppose he will walk them all, and they won't have to run. Callahan says, He won't give them no bases on balls he says. But you better tell your gang that he is liable to bean them, and they better stay away from the plate. Jennings says, He won't never hurt my boys by beaning them. Then I cut in, Nor you neither, I says. Callahan laughs at that, so I guess I must have pulled a pretty good one. Jennings didn't have no comeback, so he walks away. Then Cobb come over and asked if I was going to work. Callahan told him yes. Cobb says, How many innings? Callahan says, All the way. Then Cobb says, Be a good fellow, Cal, and take him out early. I am lame and can't run. I butts in then and said, Don't worry, Cobb. You won't have to run, because we have got a catcher who can hold them third strikes. Callahan laughed again and says to me, You sure did learn something out on that coast. Well, I walked Bush right off the reel, and they all begun to holler on the Detroit bench. There he goes again. Vitt come up, and Jennings yells, Leave your bat in the bag, Oscar. 
He can't get him over. But I got them over for that bird, okay, and he pops out trying to bunt. And then I whiffed Crawford. He starts off with a foul that had me scared for a minute because it was pretty close to the foul line and it went clear out of the park. But he missed a spitter a foot and then I surprised them, Al. I give him a slow ball and I honestly had to laugh to see him lunge for it. Bet he must have strained himself. He throwed his bat away like he was mad and I guess he was. Cobb come prancing up like he always does and yells, Give me that slow one, boy. So I says, all right. But I fooled him. Instead of giving him a slow one, like I said I was going to, I handed him a spitter. He hit it all right, but it was a line drive right in Chase's hands. He says, pretty lucky, boy. But I will get you next time. I come right back at him. I says, yes, you will. Well, Al, I had them going like that all through. About the sixth inning, Callahan yells from the bench to Jennings, What do you think of him now? And Jennings didn't say nothing. What could he have said? Cobb makes their one hit in the eighth. He never would have made it if Shawk had have let me throw him spitters instead of fast ones. At that, Weaver ought to have thrown him out. Anyway, they didn't score and we made a monkey out of the buke, or whatever his name is. Well, Al, I got back to the hotel and snuck down the street a ways and had a couple of beers before supper. So I come to the supper table late, and Walsh tells me they had been several phone calls for me. I go down to the desk, and they tell me to call up a certain number. So I called up, and they charged me a nickel for it. A girl's voice answers the phone, and I says, Was they someone there that wanted to talk to Jack Keefe? She says, you bet they is. She says, Don't you know me, Jack? This is Violet. Well, you could have knocked me down with a piece of bread. I says, What do you want? She says, Why, I want to see you. I says, Well, you can't see me. She says, Why, what's the matter, Jack? What have I did that you should be sore at me? I says, I guess you know all right. You called me a busher. She says, Why, I didn't do nothing of the kind. I says, Yes, you did, on that postcard. She says, I didn't write you no postcard. Then we argued along for a while, and she swore up and down that she didn't write me no postcard or call me no busher. I says, Well, then why didn't you write me a letter when I was in Frisco? She says she had lost my address. Well, Al, I don't know if she was telling me the truth or not, but maybe she didn't write that postcard after all. She was crying over the telephone, so I says, Well, it is too late for I and you to get together because I am engaged to be married. Then she screamed, and I hang up the receiver. She must have called back two or three times because they was calling my name round the hotel, but I wouldn't go near the phone. You know me, Al. Well, when I hang up and went back to finish my supper, the dining room was locked, so I had to go out and buy myself a sandwich. They soaked me 15 cents for a sandwich and a cup of coffee, so with a nickel for the phone, I am out 20 cents altogether for nothing. But then I would have had to tip the waiter in the hotel a dime. Well, Al, I must close and catch the boat. I expect a letter from Hazel in Cleveland, and maybe Violet will write to me too. 
She is stuck on me all right Al. I can see that. I don't believe she could of wrote that postcard after all. Yours truly, Jack. Boston, Massachusetts, September 12. Old pal. Well Al, I got a letter from Hazel in Cleveland and she is coming to Shy in October for the city series. She asked me to send her $100 for her fare and to buy some clothes with. I sent her $30 for the fare and told her she could wait till she got to Shy to buy her clothes. She said she would give me the money back as soon as she seen me, but she is a little short now because one of her girlfriends borrowed 50 off of her. I guess she must be pretty soft-hearted, Al. I hope you and Bertha can come up for the wedding because I would like to have you stand up with me. I also got a letter from Violet, and they was blots all over it like she had been crying. She swore she did not write that postcard, and said she would die if I didn't believe her. She wants to know who the lucky girl is who I am engaged to be married to. I believe her, Al, when she says she did not write that postcard, but it is too late now. I will let you know the date of my wedding as soon as I find out. I guess you seen what I done in Cleveland in here. Allen was going awful bad in Cleveland, and I relieved him in the eighth when we had a lead of two runs. I put them out in one, two, three order in the eighth, but had hard work in the ninth due to rotten support. I walked Johnston and Chapman, and Turner sacrificed them ahead. Jackson come up then, and I had two strikes on him. I could have whiffed him, but Shawk makes me give him a fast one when I wanted to give him a slow one. He hit it to Berger, and Johnston ought to have been threw out at the plate, but Berger fumbles and then has to make the play at first base. He got Johnson all okay, but they was only one run behind then, and Chapman was on third base. Lajoui was up next, and Callahan sends out word for me to walk him. I thought that was rotten managing, because Lajoui or no one else can hit me when I want to cut loose. So, after I give him two bad balls, I tried to slip over a strike on him, but the lucky stiff hit it on a line to Weaver. Anyway, the game was over, and I felt pretty good. But Callahan don't appreciate good work, Al. He give me a call in the clubhouse and said if I ever disobeyed his orders again, he would suspend me with no pay and lick me too. Honest, Al, it was all I could do to keep from wrapping his jaw, but Gleason winks at me not to do nothing. I worked the second game here and give them three hits, two of which was bunts that Lord ought to have eat up. I got better support in Frisco than I've been getting here, Al. But I don't care. The Boston Bunch couldn't have hit me with a shovel, and we beat them two to nothing. I worked against Wood at that. They call him Smokey Joe, and they say he has got a lot of speed. Boston is some town, Al, and I wish you and Bertha could come here sometime. I went down to the wharf this morning and seen the moan load of fish. They must have been a million of them, but I didn't have time to count them. Every one of them was five or six times as big as Bluegill. Violet asked me what would be my address in New York City, so I am dropping her a postcard to let her know, although I don't know what good it will do her. I certainly won't start no correspondence with her now that I am engaged to be married. Yours truly, Jack. New York, New York, September 16. Friend Al. I opened the series here and beat them easy but I know you must have saw about it in the shy papers. At that, they don't give me no fair show in the shy papers. One of the boys bought me one here, and I seen it where I was lucky to win that game in Cleveland. 
If I'd known which one of them reporters wrote that, I would punch his jaw. Al, I told you Boston was some town, but this is the real one. I never seen nothing like it, and I've been going some since we got here. I walked down Broadway, the main street, last night, and I run into a couple of the ball players, and they took me to what they called the garden, but it ain't like the gardens at home, because this one is indoors. We sat down to a table and had several drinks. Pretty soon one of the boys asked me if I was broke, and I says, No, why? He says, You better get some lubricating oil and loosen up. I don't know what he meant, but pretty soon, when we had a lot of drinks, the waiter brings a check and hands it to me. It was for one dollar. I says, Oh, I ain't paying for all of them. The waiter says, This is just for that last drink. I thought the other boys would make a holler, but they didn't say nothing. So I give him a dollar bill, and even Nanny didn't act satisfied. So I asked him what he was waiting for, and he said, Oh, nothing. Kind of sassy. I was going to bust him, but the boys give me the sign to shut up and not to say nothing. I excused myself pretty soon because I wanted to get some air. I give my check for my hat to a boy, and he brought my hat, and I started going, and he says, Haven't you forgot something? I guessed he must have thought I was wearing an overcoat. Then I went down the main street again, and some man stopped me and asked me did I want to go to the show. He said he had a ticket. I asked him, What show? And he said, The Follies. I never heard of it, but I told him I would go if he had a ticket to spare. He says, I'll spare you this one for three dollars. I says, You must take me for some boob. He says, Nah, I wouldn't insult no boob. So I walks on, but if he had insulted me, I would have busted him. I went back to the hotel then and run into Kid Gleason. He asked me to take a walk with him, so I go out again. We went to the corner, and he bought me a beer. He don't drink nothing but pop himself. The two drinks was only ten cents, so I says, this is the place for me. He says, I see I will have to take charge of you. Don't go around with them ball players no more. When you want to go out and see the sights, come to me, and I will steer you. So tonight he is going to steer me. I will write to you from Philadelphia. Your pal, Jack. Philadelphia, PA, September 19. Friend Al. They won't be no game here today because it is raining. We'd all been loafing around the hotel all day, and I am glad of it because I got all tired out over in New York City. I and Kid Gleason went round together the last couple of nights over there, and he wouldn't let me spend no money. I seen a lot of girls that I would have liked to have got acquainted with, but he wouldn't even let me answer them when they spoke to me. We run into a couple of peaches last night, and they had spotted us too. One of them says, I'll bet you're a couple of ball players. But Kid says, You'll lose your bet. I am a bellhop, and the big rube with me is nothing but a pitcher. One of them says, What are you trying to do, kid somebody? He says, Go home and get some soap and remove your disguise from your face. I didn't think he ought to talk like that to them, and I called him about it and said maybe they was lonesome, and it wouldn't hurt none if we treated them to a soda or something. But he says, Lonesome? If I don't get you away from here, they will steal everything you got. They won't even leave you your fastball. 
So we left them and he took me to a picture show. It was some California pictures and they made me think of Hazel so when I got back to the hotel I sent her three postcards. Gleason made me go to my room at 10 o'clock both nights but I was pretty tired anyway because he had walked me all over town. I guess we must have saw 20 shows. He says, I would take you to the Grand Opera, only it would be throwing money away because we can hear Ed Walsh for nothing. Walsh has got some voice, Al, and a loud high tenor. Tomorrow is Sunday, and we have a doubleheader Monday on account of the rain today. I thought sure I would get another chance to beat the athletics, and I asked Callahan if he was going to pitch me here, but he said he thought he would save me to work against Johnson in Washington. So you see, Al, he must figure I am about the best he has got. I'll beat him, Al, if they get a couple of runs behind me. Yours truly, Jack. P.S. They was a letter here from Violet, and it pretty near made me feel like crying. I wish they was two of me, so both them girls could be happy. Washington, D.C., September 22. Dear old Al, well, Al, here I am in the capital of the old United States. We got in last night, and I've been walking around town all morning. But I didn't tire myself out, because I am going to pitch against Johnson this afternoon. This is the prettiest town I ever seen, but I believe they is more colored people here than they is in Evansville or Shy. I seen the White House and the Monument. They say that Bill Sullivan and Gabby Street once catched a baseball that was threw off the top of the Monument, but I bet they couldn't catch it if I throwed it. I was into breakfast this morning with Gleason and Bodie and Weaver and Fournier. Gleason says, I'm surprised that you ain't sick in bed today. I says, why? He says, most of our pitchers get sick when Cal tells them they are going to work against Johnson. He says, here's these other fellas all feeling pretty sick this morning and they ain't even pitches. All they have to do is hit against them but it looks as if Cal would have to send substitutes in for them. Bodie is complaining of a sore arm, which he must have strained drawing two card flushes. Fournier and Weaver have strained their legs doing the tango dance. Nothing could cure them except to hear that Big Walter had got thrown out of his machine and wouldn't be able to pitch against us in this series. I says, I feel okay, and I ain't afraid to pitch against Johnson, and I ain't afraid to hit against him neither. Then Weaver says, Have you ever seen him work? Yes, I says. I seen him in Shy. Then Weaver says, Well, if you have saw him work and ain't afraid to hit against him, I'll bet you would go down to Wall Street and holler hooray for Roosevelt. I says, No, I wouldn't do that, but I ain't afraid of no pitcher, and what is more, if you get me a couple of runs, I'll beat him. Then Fournier says, Oh, we will get you a couple of runs, all right. He says, That's just as easy as catching whales with an angleworm. Well, Al, I must close and go in and get some lunch. My arm feels great, and they will have to go some to beat me, Johnson or no Johnson. Your pal, Jack. Washington, D.C., September 22. Friend Al. Well, I guess you know by this time that they didn't get no two runs for me, only one, but I beat them just the same. I beat them one to nothing, and Callahan was so pleased that he gave me a ticket to the theater. I just got back from there, and it is pretty late, 
and I already have wrote you one letter today, but I'm going to sit up and tell you about it. It was cloudy before the game started, and when I was warming up, I made the remark to Callahan that the dark day ought to make my speed good. He says, Yes, and of course it will handicap Johnson. While Washington was taking their practice, their two coaches, Schaefer and Altrock, got out on the infield and cut up, and I pretty near busted laughing at them. They certainly is funny, Al. Callahan asked me what I was laughing at, and I told him, and he says, That's the first time I ever seen a pitcher laugh when he was going to work against Johnson. He says, Griffith is a pretty good fella to give us something to laugh at before he shoots that guy at us. I warmed up good and told Chalk not to ask me for my spitter much because my fast one looked faster than I ever seen it. He says, It won't make much difference what you pitch today. I says, Oh, yes, it will, because Callahan thinks enough of me to work against Johnson, and I want to show him he didn't make no mistake. Then Gleason says, No? He didn't make no mistake. Wasting Seacott or Scotty would have been a mistake in this game. Well, Johnson whiffs Weaver and Chase and makes Lord pop out the first inning. I walked their first guy, but I didn't give Milan nothing to bunt, and finally he flied out. And then I whiffed the next two. On the bench, Callahan says, That's the way, boy. Keep it up, and we've got a chance. Johnson had fanned four of us when I come up with two out in the third inning, and he whiffed me, too. I fouled one, though, that if I had ever got a good hold of, I would have knocked out of the park. In the first seven innings, we didn't have a hit off him. They had got five or six lucky ones off of me, and I had walked two or three, but I cut loose with all I had when they was men on, and they couldn't do nothing with me. The only reason I walked so many was because my fast one was jumping so. Honest Al, it was so fast that Evans the umpire couldn't see it half the time and he called a lot of balls that was right over the heart. Well, I come up in the eighth with two out and the score still nothing and nothing. I had whiffed the second time as well as the first, but it was a count of Evans missing one on me. The eighth started with Shanks muffing a fly ball off a of Bodie. It was way out by the fence, so he got two bases on it and he went to third while they was throwing Berger out. Then Shawk whiffed. Callahan says, Go up and try and meet one, Jack. It might as well be you as anyone else. But your old pal didn't whiff this time, Al. He gets two strikes on me with fast ones, and then I passed up two bad ones. I took my healthy at the next one and slapped it over first base. I guess I could have made two bases on it, but I didn't want to tire myself out. Anyway, Bodie scored, and I had them beat and my hit was the only one we got off of him, so I guess he is a pretty good pitcher after all, Al. They filled up the bases on me with one out in the ninth, but it was pretty dark then, and I made McBride and their catcher look like suckers with my speed. I felt so good after the game that I drunk one of them pink cocktails. I don't know what their name is. And then I sent a postcard to poor little Violet. I don't care nothing about her, but it don't hurt none to try and cheer her up once in a while. We leave here Thursday night for home, and they had ought to be two or three letters there for me from Hazel, because I haven't heard from her lately. She must have lost my road addresses. Your pal, Jack. P.S. I forgot to tell you what Callahan said after the game. He said, 
I was a real pitcher now and he is going to use me in the city serious. If he does Al we will beat them Cubs sure. Chicago, Illinois, September 27. Friend Al. They wasn't no letter here at all from Hazel and I guess she must have been sick. Or maybe she didn't think it was worthwhile writing as long as she was coming next week. I want to ask you to do me a favor Al and that is to see if you can find me a house down there. I will want to move in with Mrs. Keefe. Don't that sound funny, Al? Sometime in the next week of October 12th. Old Man Cutting's house, or that yellow house across from you, would be okay. I would rather have the yellow one so as to be near you. Find out how much rent they want, Al, and if it is not so more than $12 a month, get it for me. We will buy our furniture here in Shy when Hazel comes. We have a couple of days off now, Al, and then we play St. Louis two games here. Then Detroit comes to finish the season the 3rd and 4th of October. Your pal, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, October 3. Dear old Al. Thanks, Al, for getting the house. The one-year lease is okay. You and Bertha and me and Hazel can have all sorts of good times together. I guess the walk needs repairs, but I can fix that up when I come. We can stay at the hotel when we first get there. I wish you could have come up for the city serious, Al. But anyway, I want you and Bertha to be sure and come up for our wedding. I will let you know the date as soon as Hazel gets here. The serious starts Tuesday, and this town is wild over it. The Cubs finished second in their league, and we was fifth in ours, but that don't scare me none. We would have finished right on top if I had been here all season. Callahan pitched one of the Bushers against Detroit this afternoon, and they beat him bad. Callahan is saving up Scott and Allen and Russell and Seacott and I for the big show. Walsh isn't in no shape, and neither is Ben's. It looks like I would have a good deal to do because most of them others can't work no more than once in four days, and Allen ain't no good at all. We have a day to rest after tomorrow's game with the Tigers, and then we go at them Cubs. Your pal, Jack. P.S. I have got it figured that Hazel is fixing to surprise me by dropping in on me because I haven't heard nothing yet. Chicago, Illinois, October 7. Friend Al. Well, Al, you know by this time that they beat me today and tied up the serious. But I have still got plenty of time, Al, and I will get them before it is over. My arm wasn't feeling good, Al, and my fastball didn't hop like it had ought to. But it was the rotten support I got that beat me. That lucky stiff Zimmerman was the only guy that got a real hit off of me and he must have shut his eyes and throwed his bat because the ball he hit was a foot over his head. And if they hadn't been making all them errors behind me, they wouldn't have been nobody on bases when Zimmerman got that lucky scratch. The serious now stands one and one, Al, and it is a cinch we will beat them even if they are a bunch of lucky stiffs. They has been great big crowds at both games and it looks like as if we should ought to get over $800 apiece if we win and we will win sure because I will beat them three straight if necessary. But Al, I have got bigger news than that for you and I am the happiest man in the world. I told you I had not heard from Hazel for a long time. Tonight when I got back to my room there was a letter waiting for me from her. Al, she is married. Maybe you don't know why that makes me happy, but I will tell you. 
She is married to Kid Levy, the middleweight. I guess my $30 is gone because in her letter she called me a cheapskate and she enclosed one one-cent stamp and two twos and said she was paying me for the glass of beer I once bought her. I bought her more than that, Al, but I won't make no holler. She also said not for me to never come near her or her husband would bust my jaw. I ain't afraid of him or no one else, Al, but they ain't no danger of me ever bothering them. She was no good and I was sorry the minute I agreed to marry her. But I was going to tell you why I am happy, or maybe you can guess. Now I can make Violet my wife, and she's got Hazel beat forty ways. She ain't nowheres near as big as Hazel, but she's classier, Al, and she will make me a good wife. She ain't never asked me for no money. I wrote her a letter the minute I got the good news and told her to come on over here at once at my expense. We will be married right after the serious is over, and I want you and Bertha to be sure and stand up with us. I will wire you at my own expense the exact date. It all seems like a dream now about Violet and I having our misunderstanding, Al, and I don't see how I ever could have accused her of sending me that postcard. You and Bertha will be just as crazy about her as I am when you see her, Al. Just think, Al. I will be married inside of a week and to the only girl I ever could have been happy with instead of the woman I never really cared for except as a passing fancy. My happiness would be complete, Al, if I had not have let that woman steal $30 off me. Your happy pal, Jack. P.S. Hazel probably would have insisted on us taking a trip to Niagara Falls or somewhere but I know Violet will be perfectly satisfied if I take her right down to Bedford. Oh, you little yellow house! Chicago, Illinois, October 9. Friend Al. Well, Al, we have got them beat three games to one now, and will wind up the series tomorrow sure. Callahan sent me in to save poor Allen yesterday, and I stopped them dead. But I don't care now, Al. I have lost all interest in the game, and I don't care if Callahan pitches me tomorrow or not. My heart is just about broke, Al, and I wouldn't be able to do myself justice feeling the way I do. I have lost Violet, Al, and just when I was figuring on being the happiest man in the world. We will get the big money, but it won't do me no good. They can keep my share because I won't have no little girl to spend it on. Her answer to my letter was waiting for me at home tonight. She is engaged to be married to Joe Hill, the big left-hander Jennings got from Providence. Honest, Al, I don't see how he gets by. He ain't got no more curveball than a rabbit, and his fast one floats up there like a big balloon. He beat us the last game of the regular season here, but it was because Callahan had a lot of bushers in the game. I wish I had knew then that he was stealing my girl, and I would have made Callahan pitch me against him. And when he come up to bat... I would have beamed him. But I don't suppose you could hurt him by hitting him in the head, the big stiff. Their wedding ain't gonna come off till next summer, and by that time he will be pitching in the Southwestern Texas League for about $50 a month. Violet wrote that she wished me all the luck and happiness in the world, but it was too late for me to be happy, Al, and I don't care what kind of luck I have now. Al, you will have to get rid of that lease for me. Fix it up the best way you can. Tell the old man I have changed my plans. I don't know just yet what I will do, but maybe I will go to Australia with Mike Donlin's team. If I do, I won't care if the boat goes down or not. 
I don't believe I will even come back to Bedford this winter. It would drive me wild to go past that little house every day and think how happy I might have been. Maybe I will pitch tomorrow, Al, and if I do, the serious will be over tomorrow night. I can beat them Cubs if I get any kind of decent support. But I don't care now, Al. Yours truly, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, October 12th. Al, your letter received. If the old man won't call it off, I guess I will have to try and rent the house to someone else. Do you know of any couple that wants one, Al? It looks like I would have to come down there myself and fix things up some way. He is just mean enough to stick me with the house on my hands when I won't have no use for it. They beat us the day before yesterday, as you probably know, and it rained yesterday and today. The paper says it will be all okay tomorrow, and Callahan tells me I am going to work. The Cub pitchers was all shot to pieces, and the bad weather is just nuts for them because it will give Cheney a good rest. But I will beat him, Al, if they don't kick it away behind me. I must close because I promised Allen, the little left-hander, that I would come over to his flat and play cards a while tonight, and I must wash up and change my collar. Allen's wife's sister is visiting them again, and I would give anything not to have to go over there. I am through with girls and don't want nothing to do with them. I guess it is maybe a good thing it rained today, because I dreamt about Violet last night, and went out and got a couple of highballs before breakfast this morning. I hadn't never drank nothing before breakfast before, and it made me kind of sick. But I am all okay now. Your pal, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, October 13. Dear old Al, The serious is all over, Al. We are the champions, and I done it. I may be home the day after tomorrow, or I may not come for a couple of days. I want to see Comiskey before I leave and fix up about my contract for next year. I won't sign for no less than 5000 and if he hands me a contract for less than that, I will leave the White Sox flat on their back. I have got over $1,400 now, Al, with the city serious money, which was $814.30, and I don't have to worry. Them reporters will have to give me a square deal this time, Al. I had everything, and the Cubs done well to score a run. I whiffed Zimmerman three times. Some of the boys say he ain't no hitter, but he is a hitter, and a good one, Al, only he could not touch the stuff I got. The umps give them their run, because in the fourth inning, I had Leach flat-footed off of second base, and Weaver tagged them okay, but the umps wouldn't call it. Then Schulte, the lucky stiff, happened to get a hold of one, and pulled it past first base. I guess Chase must have been asleep. Anyway, they scored, but I don't care because we piled up six runs on Cheney, and I drove in one of them myself with one of the prettiest singles you ever see. It was a spitter, and I hit it like a shot. If I had hit it square, it would have went out of the park. Comiskey ought to feel pretty good about me winning, and I guess he will give me a contract for anything I want. He will have to, or I will go to the Federal League. We are all invited to a show tonight, and I am going with Alan and his wife and her sister Florence. She is okay, Al, and I guess she thinks the same about me. She must, because she was out to the game today and seen me hand it to them. She maybe ain't as pretty as Violet and Hazel, but as they say, beauty isn't only so deep. Well, Al, tell the boys I will be with them soon. 
I have gave up the idea of going to Australia because I would have to buy a evening full dress suit and they tell me they cost pretty near $50. Yours truly, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, October 14. Dear friend Al, Never mind about that, Lease. I want the house after all, Al, and I have got the surprise of your life for you. When I come home to Bedford, I will bring my wife with me. I and Florence fixed things all up after the show last night, and we are going to be married tomorrow morning. I am a busy man today, Al, because I have got to get the license and look round for furniture. And I have also got to buy some new clothes, but they are having a sale on Cottage Grove Avenue at Clark's store, and I know one of the clerks there. I am the happiest man in the world, Al. You and Bertha and I and Florence will have all kinds of good times together this winter, because I know Bertha and Florence will like each other. Florence looks something like Bertha at that. I am glad I didn't get tied up with Violet or Hazel, even if they was a little bit prettier than Florence. Florence knows a lot about baseball for a girl, and you would be surprised to hear her talk. She says I am the best pitcher in the league, and she has saw them all. She also says I am the best-looking ball player she ever seen, but you know how girls will kid a guy, Al. You will like her okay. I fell for her the first time I seen her. Your old pal, Jack. P.S. I signed for next year. Comiskey slapped me on the back when I went in to see him and told me I would be a star next year if I took good care of myself. I guess I am a star without waiting for next year, Al. My contract calls for 2800 a year, which is a 1000 more than I was getting, and it is pretty near a cinch that I will be in on the World Series money next season. P.S. I certainly am relieved about that lease. It would have been fierce to have had that place on my hands all winter and not getting any use out of it. Everything is all okay now. Oh, you little yellow house. End of chapter 2